Welcome to the latest installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. And I'm joined by an experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic. The problems with roadmaps. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into this topic area, I'd like to go around the room and make some general introductions. So I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and your interests outside of work. So, Andrew? Sure. Um, I'm working as a product manager. Um, I have a little bit of experience within the product owner and IT consultant in the past, so I'm trying to uh, compare pile all the information I obtained from different industries and areas into one and try to deliver the best uh, products to the customers to fulfill their needs and actually solving the problems, which is the main goal for, for being a product manager. Um, outside work, I strictly uh, stick to my docs. So we work around, we explore the areas. So it helps me to uh, keep uh, active and fresh a lot of uh, get a lot of fresh air so that's my activities outside work thank you very much man and Ulla quick introduction yeah I'm Ulla Cardi working as a product owner in a company called Learning Bank uh, we provide the world's best learning platform for for companies to develop their employees and uh, other than that uh, I really like football both uh, playing and watching and uh, I live in Jutland with my boyfriend and his kids and uh, our Labrador retriever. Very nice. And who's your football team? Liverpool. Good answer. And Paolo? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Paolo. I am a product manager at a Copenhagen-based co- company called iMotions. We make software for uh, researcher, researchers integrating uh, biometric sensors. Uh, my background comes from a more technical side. Uh, worked in data science for a number of years. Outside of work, I like to be outdoors hike, cycle, and also work with my hands, uh, working with wood and stuff like that. Thank you very much, mate. Best project you've done in terms of your, your handyman side? I built a staircase for my cats so that they can reach the height of the cat flap and enter the house. Very nice. And last but not least, Daniel, quick introduction, please. Hey, uh, I'm Daniel. I work at Banking Circle as a product owner, where we provide a payment infrastructure for payment companies and other banks. Um, and I guess outside of work, I spend quite a lot of time on my bike. Um, yeah. And then, of course, with my wife and my friends. Um, Very nice. Thank you, mate. Well, before the podcast episode, I asked each participant to put forward a question that they would like to pose to the other panel members. And Ulla, I know that you had a very intriguing topic, question sorry, that is related to the overarching topic of the problems with roadmaps. So... If you'd like to pose that to the group. Yes, thanks, Connor. Uh, yeah, the thing I've been struggling with, and I'm sure you all can relate to, is that the, how do you communicate the changes in the roadmap to your stakeholders? So you will communicate uh, what you're going to do, but then the plans tend to change every now and then. So how do you how do you make sure that, that uh, when something changes, it catches all the stakeholders that you have already communicated to? Yeah, so um, I think I'll, I'll go first. 
um, I think it's a really good uh, good question, uh, Ula. And uh, it's also something that probably we all experience in our uh, yeah work work life on you know, day to day basis. So I think my approach to it, even though it's it can be a complicated issue, but what I try to do is to communicate as much as possible with the stakeholders. So keep a communication line that is open and give frequent updates, so that if any changes arise, they are informed soon. And also build, the, if that's possible, build the kind of relationship where you are able to share uh, with them when there is some concern, when something might have to change. And uh, at the end of the day, we, you're all in the same team, right? The stakeholders want the success of the product as much as we do. So uh, I think once everybody can realize that and you can keep this communication line open, I think it, it helps everyone to, to understand and get on board with, uh, with changes. And at the end of the day, changes are bound to happen. So it's just about accepting and understanding them. I guess, um, Paolo, maybe as a follow-up question, um, one of the things that I guess I'm also struggling with uh, with regards to communication to stakeholders is the different types of stakeholders that we have require different types of communication and different channels as well. So I was wondering, um, do you have any preferred like uh, channels or ways to communicate to, to the different types of stakeholders? I think that's a really good point. Uh, I it, so having different levels of detail in your communication. Uh, I think in my experience, when you communicate with a uh, with C levels, uh, you might want to be more uh, uh, high level in your description of uh, what the roadmap looks like. Not really dwell so much into the details when they're not relevant. But as, of course, that's completely different when you're talking with the product team when you really do want to go down to details and and make sure that everybody understands what the plan is going to be. Yeah, so uh, I think that's uh, maybe answers part of your question, but perhaps the others also have something to to add to this. I think Daniel, I'd like to hear your take. I think you've you've made a great point there in terms of separating, you know, stakeholder groups and how the communication differs. But what's your take on this question? Uh, yeah, I guess um, I don't really, I haven't found the right way of doing it yet. So I guess I'm still exploring, which is why I also think it's quite a good question. Um, at my old company where I used to work, emails uh, working. So we received uh, quite a lot of emails and I'm sure most of you have worked in a place like that. Um, it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but for some stakeholder groups, uh, we need to move a little bit faster than emails. So I find that for client services um, in the company where I'm now, we need to use Teams because otherwise it just, the information doesn't spread fast enough whenever we have is stuff that changes. Um, so I think in terms of like C-level, uh, maybe in terms of clients, uh, we need to keep it in an email also so we can track what has been communicated. But for, I would say, more <laughs> technical or operational people, I prefer to use Teams or maybe even the phone sometimes. I know it's kind of old school, but it still works. I also think it's a great point as well in terms of speed and you know, in communication, it's obviously something that needs to be taken into consideration. But Andrew, I'd love to hear your take on this one as well. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, in my opinion and in, in my practice, what I do, I just balance between official and more informal ways of communication, which is, for example, instead of Teams, I use Slack channels. So I just created a Slack channel, temporary Slack channel for particular this uh, roadmap, which have its expiration day, let's say unofficial expiration day. So all the stakeholders can go there and see what's constantly going on there by tagging uh, and commenting on those. And for more high-level, more official ones, uh, I use so-called PPP, so three Ps, it's product progress plan. So 
that's where we stabilize our roadmap and then we just have those progress plan of what's going on, any changes, and that file I just put a reminder in my calendar like every Friday or every second Friday and then I'm just sending the communication. No changes, any changes, and so on. So then we can keep track but still be able to remain within one email chain. So that's that's my approach in that one. For now it works, so yeah, but don't quote me on this. <laughs> With that, the uh, 3P, is it for your internal communication or do you also use it for the for the customers? Uh, I use it for internal communication, for external and for the customers. We have a, a, a product release newsletter, which have its own template. So out of that PPD, I usually just copy paste some of the details, frame it in a proper way and then put it there so it keep it more professional. But it actually helps. So I don't have to search for the updates within the Slack or any other communication channels, I just go back to this file of PVP and just grab information from there, what was the change when it happened. Um, and since I uh, have a floor, I would like to circle back this question to you, Ula, uh, if you have a chance to uh, give us some insights and around your approach. Yeah, of course, uh, we have a lot of people uh, doing communication. So uh, we have people who are in customer-faced roles and they will communicate something about the roadmap and then uh, then we have to make sure that those people are always up to date so so they can also update whatever they already communicated but i would say this is a, this is a challenge and uh, and it's uh, something that i haven't fully cracked and uh, in my previous uh, place of work we had someone who was fully dedicated to to doing communication and instructions and it was maybe easier when it was one person but now we're we are many communicating out and uh, there is a risk that someone will uh, will uh, have the wrong information about the upcoming release. Awesome. Just a follow-up question, and it's open to the floor. It's not directed in any particular direction. Just in terms of you know communicating changes within the roadmap, and obviously there's multiple different stakeholders. In which direction do you find it most difficult to to you know to communicate these changes? You know, perhaps would it be down into the technical side of things to the engineers, or would it be up to the sea level? I mean, where do you find the biggest challenge? I think for me, it very much depends on the change that we're talking about. So if we're postponing, for example, something, I find it extremely difficult to communicate that if we are changing uh, a feature on the roadmap that has already been started, uh, then uh, it's extremely difficult to communicate it uh, to the team simply just because wasted work is never popular. Just to add what Daniel mentioned, for me, it's also a challenge where it has been already communicated. So sometimes you have to make a change or change a feature or add a feature and it was already communicated to marketing, sales, uh, senior stakeholders that it, for example, will be or not going to be. And then you have to circle back all around the people and um, basically that's that's also like a tough one how to balance between early update and late update. So you want to inform your customers and your teams which you cooperate in that that's going to happen and then you have to like basically make a step back. So that's also kind of a challenge of using the timing. The reason that I asked this question was because it leads quite nicely onto the next one in terms of upward and downward communication and the, this, you know, which roadmaps you particularly struggle with communicating or you know where the biggest challenge is. So Andrew, I know that you have a great question for the panel. Yeah, uh, since we have um, experienced uh, product managers and product owners today, 
within the call, I would like to get uh, some of uh, your expertise on the question of how to balance between tech and product roadmap. I think it's a quite an interesting uh, topic, um, especially because uh, when I started my job at Banking Circle, we actually had this very issue of finding the, the balance because tech always seemed to come in afterwards after the roadmap has sort of been created. Um, so I think it's quite relevant and I think many companies are still struggling with it. Um, what I find works quite well actually links a little bit back to the, the previous question, which is communication. Um, I think understanding and communicating the value of a given tech item uh, is vital to actually get uh, anyone from the business to prioritize uh, tech items. I think another thing that uh, we quite successfully did was we uh, stopped doing two separate roadmaps and then we combined them into one. So we had uh, not two, but one roadmap and we always knew sort of the priority. And I think the last thing that we sort of did is just we have uh, started doing quarterly planning, which is also something uh, which is relatively new where I'm working. Um, and I think as part of that, we're including uh, different parts of the tech organization as stakeholders rather than just uh, sales and client services. So I think um, the key word maybe for me is uh, communication, dialogue, and understanding. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, Daniel, I, I think very much I echo these uh, these thoughts. Um, in my experience, it's, uh, it can be really tricky when you show up to the tech team with a shopping list of things that need to be done and uh, added to their roadmap. And uh, it can really feel like you are just bringing extra work and disrupting their uh, their workflow there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not always uh, easy to to do that. But I think what I try to do is always to involve both the more product uh, related teams and the tech teams from as early as possible, uh, also in the prioritization phase, so that uh, also the, the engineers and the tech teams have the opportunity to contribute to to this and to the roadmap, and really trying to see the two, the product and the tech roadmap, as going uh, hand in hand. Because um, I think also one another thing too that helps me to keep in mind is that the engineers are the one who wants to actually sit there and build the, the product. So they have a very, very intimate knowledge of how things work. And for that reason, they are in a really good position to contribute with uh, with great product ideas. And I think that's a really great input in uh, in uh, yeah, setting priorities and setting the roadmap. Yeah, and maybe you said something that was quite uh, important and that maybe I forgot to say. Um, I, I think I made it sound like uh, it's always the tech items that are the issue, but you're correct. Um, I also see it as an issue often that we come with a shopping list and then the developers sort of have to deal with that. I think it, it also goes the other way. So if you explain to your team why we're doing the business things, uh, the business features, the commercial stuff, then they are also much more buying into it. Uh, and one of the things we actually did, which works quite well, is that we have a feature owner uh, on the tech side as well for each uh, project or feature that we work on. Um, and that helps quite a lot because then you only have to deal with one and that person can sort of translate that into a language that everyone understands. Uh, they also feel much more ownership over it. So I think you are 100% correct. It goes both directions. So it's about the business understanding sort of why are we prioritizing tech items, but also the, the development part of the organization, uh, understanding why are we prioritizing business things. Um, and I see, uh, Ula, you were kind of nodding. I don't know if you had anything to contribute with. Yeah, definitely. I like the idea of, uh, of having a feature owner because uh, you're absolutely right. That could be a really good way to, to kind of get it in a right format. And I think that there is something there that you have to have also recognize the value in the in the technical roadmap so it's not just something we do it is it actually 
gives us some value. It could be uh, that we can maybe develop later a little bit faster or, or uh, we'll get some uh, better reliability or something like that. But there, there is some value in each item we work with. So then it's just to get those somehow compared with the, with the regular business uh, features that we have to do all the time. It's somewhere in between that. And of course, one option is also to have some dedicated uh, resources to, to focus on the tech side. But I, I would prefer that it's, uh, it's the mixture because it also helps the, usually the whole team to know the product better. So yeah, it is a tough balance. But what do you think, uh, Andre? If I then uh, try to get it a little bit back towards you, what uh, what things have you tried to with this to find a good balance? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, to be honest, I actually find uh, it a little bit not in a particular balance, not in a particular equilibrium, but more like seventy percent to tech roadmap and thirty to the product roadmap. The reason for that uh, is uh, if tech stack is not an order and we are um, getting too much busy of the uh, customer's um, feedback or um, there is a lot of complaints or CS is busy, we as a product managers getting in an infinite loop of solving the bugs, which may be avoided if they pull enough items from the tech and build a proper technical foundation before we start putting uh, things on top. Um, I do understand and admire that a lot of management stakeholders and customers are required requesting a lot of features and uh, items to be put on the roadmap and delivered as soon as possible. But I usually prefer to gather with the tech uh, architecture or tech leads earlier prior to before the product roadmap happened to understand what's the pain points we have, what's the gaps we have in order to cover them first and on top of the more stable tech environment, build something that we think might bring actual like value and monitoring. Uh, monitor-wise can uh, support the company. So the short answer is I keep 70-30 and depends how stable and how confident we are on our uh, tech solutions. We switch to 30-70 vice versa basically. So that's that's my approach. Uh, It's working so far. Um, Yeah. I like the way you quantified it as well in terms of the way in which you're you're working at the moment. I think that gave it a really nice way of um, perspective but one thing I loved about the, this question and the, the common ground that was found on all was that it really shows the way in which you all successfully bridge the gap between business and IT. You know, and in the process, empower the engineers that are working by enabling them to understand these business objectives and the reason they're doing it. And I think the analogy that Paolo and Daniel both echoed in terms of not coming to them with a shopping list, communicating, dialogue, understanding, some of the things you guys put forward, really insightful. But Paul, I know you also had a question to post to the panel, so I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so uh, maybe again following along the lines of the idea of the, the shopping list. So often roadmaps end up being just prioritized feature lists, but um, there are, of course, alternative approaches that focus more on outcomes. And my question is whether uh, you think focusing more on outcomes can uh, improve road, the roadmap process. Andrew, if you'd like to kick us off on this one. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it, it's, a, it's a tricky question with a, uh, a double bottom, to be honest, the way it sounds to me. So at some point at, and at some cases, you have to look at the outcomes in the first place, because if you committed to and uh, obligated to deliver something, then the outcome beca- become your target. That becomes your acceptance criteria. 
in other cases, uh, you try to avoid outcomes in order to allow team to work fully, uh, fully agile and deliver incrementally and find the, the best solutions which come down the road. So you can adapt, you can navigate around the uh, work you're currently focusing on, and you can go backwards and sideways as well. So that's that's really depends what are you trying to achieve in the short term and the long term perspective, uh, and the ways um, how to improve uh, their own roadmap uh, by, by by this focus is to ask the team about the honest and uh, fully transparent, uh, confident votes. That's that's uh, that's my idea and uh, my in my opinion. When everyone can say that this outcome is realistic, so everyone commits to that and we are fully understanding what we are looking for. Or if the team is not fully confident and or we have a blockers, for example, in relation to the previous question about the technical depth or so on, then we can put the outcomes a little bit deprioritized by trying to achieve the foundation for what we are looking for. And the next level of roadmaps will be mainly focused on the outcomes on already built uh, uh, ground, basically. Um, that was that was my answer to the, the question, and I would like to ask the same one to Ula, if uh, you would like to give us some insights from your side. Yeah, I think there is uh, really something there when you mentioned that uh, that you, everyone has to know what we are trying to achieve, and and I also think like to begin with when we plan the roadmap and think on uh, what we want to achieve, we really have to know what are what are the who are the users? What are the journeys? And and what are the kind of jobs to be done? If uh, if that's a term we we like to use, and I think if we can achieve that, then we can uh, that the whole team understands that. Then it's also easier easier to kind of commit to that, like Andre said, because uh, then then everyone knows what we are aiming for, and they don't have to know every detail, but they understand the concept and and the big idea behind it. And I think there's uh, that's really important and then of course if we can find some kind of uh, some kind of high enough metrics that uh, that we can measure so that we are not too focused on of course uh, how many lines of code we write but more exactly what we can achieve how can we make our customers even happier and and have those uh, those metrics to kind of uh, support the roadmap then that that could be helpful but uh, yeah, of course, uh, the earlier we can we can think of some usability testing involving our customers, the better. So even before something makes it to the roadmap, it could be beneficial if uh, if uh, we have talked to some of the customers about it and then know exactly what we want to achieve. So it's just about learning more and more about the topic. I think that's a great question. Just a little quick follow-up question to yourself there before we move the question on to Daniel. Just a quick follow-up for you. You mentioned some of the metrics, and I think that's that's key to understanding this. I think you put there, can we focus more on outcomes? But in terms of outcomes, what are we talking? Because value can be measured in so many different ways. You mentioned one in terms of happiness, another in terms of lines of code. But what do you think the correct metric would be? You know, if you're going to implement roadmaps whereby you focus on outcomes, what would be the correct metric of measurement? Yeah, that's, a, that's really difficult because I would like to see that some kind of, uh, if you're using some kind of uh, NPS or, or some net promoter score so when you're measuring how happy your customers are would they promote you further i think uh, of course the difficulty of that is that we don't know if it's exactly the previous feature we did but in the big picture it's still like are we moving to the right way yeah i agree i think there's so many different ways it could be measured and it's certainly multifaceted but i just wanted to to get your take on that but Daniel, when it comes to roadmaps being more effective by focusing on outcomes, what's your tip? 
Uh, yeah, so I guess in my experience, um, you can run an effective team or organization with either or. Uh, but in my experience, you tend to, in an outcome-focused uh, group, you tend to focus a lot more on that specific thing rather than reflecting on what is it that we're actually trying to achieve. So in many cases, you will uh, have a goal. I think uh, as an example, we could have a performance optimization in technical services. Um, and if someone comes up to you before you even start the project and says, we need to scale horizontally, then that is maybe the way you're going to do it rather than actually looking at, so what makes sense for the code base that we have? Um, are there other things we could do which are more efficient or cheaper or faster even? Um, so I think that is one of the, the, the issues that I, I see with the outcome-based approach. Um, uh, sorry, the output-based approach rather than the outcome. Um, I think that's one of the, the, the important things. And I think that the way to sort of support that, and I think Ula and, and you, Connor, touched a little bit upon it, is how do we actually then measure the outcomes? And I guess uh, most of you have worked with OKRs at some point. Um, and I think that is a good way of measuring uh, if you successfully implement it, or so to speak, um, so you can define a little bit what uh, what it is that you're trying to achieve, um, but at the same time be ambitious about the goals that you set. So it doesn't mean you have to get 100% there every time, but it does mean that you try to push the limit of what you can do. Um, yeah. So I'm actually wondering, um, Paolo, if you uh, if you have any experience with focusing more on outcomes and uh, and what the potential benefits have been um, in case you have done it. And actually also how you measure it, I don't know. Um, I think it is a tricky question because you're always going to measure differently than maybe your, your management wants you to measure. Yeah, no, I think uh, definitely it's a tricky one. And uh, I liked and uh, appreciate many of the, of the points and inputs from uh, all of you. Um, so in my experience, it's uh, it's quite difficult to it's been quite difficult to focus on the outcomes. It's very uh, easy to fall back in having uh, outputs as a main focus of your uh, roadmap. And uh, uh, again, in my experience, the challenge with that is sometimes you have initiatives or projects that are based on a certain feature you want to ship, and that's a lot of work, takes many months, and then eventually once it's released. Uh, you hardly notice any change. So did that make life better for our users at all? And you are always left wondering. So uh, definitely, as you were saying, Daniel, it's key to have metrics and ways to measure. And uh, yeah, I think Ola also had a point about that. And what I would try to do is to have metrics that are connected with the uh, so metrics and, and goals that, that, that cut across the business, right? So they're not just product goals, but should really be uh, on expanding the entire the entire business from uh, how we want uh, sales to be going, how we want uh, customer success and uh, support to be going and so on and so forth. So maybe an example there uh, of uh, a yeah, story uh, where we, uh, in a case where we tried to use more uh, outcomes rather than outputs was uh, uh, when we s uh, decided to work on improving data quality for our users. So our software used to collect data and uh, that can go wrong for a number of ways. Uh, the initial idea was to build features that could measure and uh, give some indications, some metrics for data quality to be included in the software. Um, but then we decided to do uh, quite a bit of discovery, talk with a number of users, and we realized that that was uh, maybe not the right approach because it would have been a lot of work and uh, it was not so clear that users would have benefited from that. Instead, users just wanted to have more uh, qualitative information about how good their data was. And uh, that can translate to a much smaller uh, development task because it's pretty much just adding 
help material into into the software in uh, in a way. And uh, I think there the the good metric is just actually the data quality improving, and that's something that we can are able then to measure either by talking with users or sending service out or just maybe from a, a instrumentation in the in the software. So I think that was an example where uh, I think we managed to focus more on the outcome, and that uh, led to uh, a better planning of our roadmap. But it's a tricky one, and in so many other cases, we just end up. Yeah, looking at the output instead and counting lines of code. Very nice insights there. And I think you were discussing some of the outcomes, how it's on a project basis and deliverables. But Daniel, I know that your question directly relates to this. So if you'd like to pose that. It, it does. And it actually also circles back to the initial question we had about changes to the roadmap. Because one of the things uh, that I find uh, quite difficult and that you also touched upon, Connor, is how do we find the right balance between communicating deadlines on things where clients or management need a specific date where they can do something and the agile development uh, approaches that most companies use today, where you basically uh, don't define everything going into a, a thing. Um, and I think one of the, the issues here is um, how do we remove as many unknowns uh, as we can without actually falling back into a waterfall model where it takes months to maybe refine a feature before you get started on it. So I think my question short is deadlines. How do you deal with them on a roadmap? Yeah, I think uh, that the... It's something in me because uh, I think it's a near and dear topic to me, definitely. And it's a hard one as well. Uh, I wouldn't, I would hate it if the deadline would uh, would scope the feature. So I definitely would like to go to the other way around where we have a have the scope and then we give the estimate when can it be done rather than doing the, the opposite way around. But of course... Uh, then, like Daniel said, you have to refine it to the smallest bits to be able to give good estimations. And then if you just give rough estimations and add a little buffer and, and uh, yeah, it's a guessing game if we don't refine it enough. So, uh, yeah, the balance is somewhere in between. So I think uh, things need to be refined. Also, the refinement sometimes will then kind of pay back in the end because you have found those loopholes and, and you have thought of the edge cases so you don't have to tackle those and, and design them on the fly. So maybe in the end you'll still have a better quality if you if you use enough time in, in refinement. But yeah, usually the estimates are, are already asked right away when you put something on the roadmap and uh, probably you haven't in that phase uh, as much knowledge that you can give a really good estimation. But then I also would like to think that in the longer run, roadmaps would also be sort of uh, agile. So so also thinking that uh, giving deadlines for something that we haven't even started is uh, is not something that we need to do at all. It's uh, something we're aiming to do and we'll do it when we get there. And when we start it, then we can start talking about deadlines. That would be my philosophy, but uh, I'm sure that, uh, that there's a lot of people who would say that they would want exact deadlines. And actually, before I joined the product world, I was one of those people saying, why can't we get the deadlines? But now I know. <laughs> what do you think, Andre? Yeah, estimates and uh, is an easy question to ask and a tough one to, to get back on because everyone understands it differently. They don't fully understand the, the product development lifecycle, uh, how the developers works, uh, the blockers. So it's 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 really tough to to provide an exact estimate, an exact deadline, and not over-communicate or under-communicate in this one. 
So my small life hack around that is that I use a pattern of, uh, I guess, all around the world, the, the governmental reply when you try to communicate with any of the post office or anything like that, they always get back to you within 12 uh, days. They always have this 12 days uh, uh, gap so they can properly understand on their side what you're asking, ask all the stakeholders on their side and provide the information. So there is no circle backs around that. So I prefer to, to keep um, some gap, add an extra buffer to the deadline because you never know what may happen down the road. And the deadline itself, if possible, if the stakeholders or clients agree to provide within the quarters. So you don't communicate a particular day, but you provide that by the end of the year, we may expect this and this change. By the end of the quarter, we may expect this or that improvement to your product. In this case, you're able to uh, save a little bit room for yourself to navigate around that. Plus, um, that helps you to to put a like a, a pass for your team so they can follow follow it up. And then they have enough space to, to pair programming, to tech dev uh, work, so they can arrange their time by themselves. And you as a product owner or product manager don't stay behind their back and asking constantly about their deadline. So you give full authority to themselves. And for your stakeholders management, you know that the end of the quarter, end of the year is your finish line. So that's that's uh, that's the way I go about it. Uh, Paolo, what would be your take on this one? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree with what you were saying, Andre, about uh, having some buffer in the plans to allow for contingencies and things that might change along the way. But I also really liked Ula's point about not committing too early. And that's something that can be tricky to achieve because, of course, people, as soon as they hear about this great new idea, they will be like, when it's when are you are we releasing it? And uh, I think at that point, yeah, we have to stay strong and say, well, first, we need to understand what it is that we're talking about. And for me, that understanding is doing proper discovery. So just trying to really uh, figure out what it is that we want to build, why and how, answering all the all the questions that as, uh, as PMs we are supposed to, to answer. And uh, also, I think it's very critical in this discovery phase to involve uh, the tech teams, to involve the engineers as soon as possible, because again, they often have the, the insight and they're going to be able to tell you how big of a task a certain thing is, or maybe if there is a better, smarter, quicker way to do that. Um, and once you have done discovery for the new thing, the ideally the tech teams are working on the previous feature on the delivery side. And so this way we can leverage this agile way of working and having the, while we're working on one thing uh, in the delivery side, already doing discovery for the for the next thing. And hopefully by that point, uh, once discovery is done, we're in a better position to, to give an estimate, of course, allowing for, uh, with a little bit of buffer for contingencies. But uh, yeah, I think it's a really difficult and important question uh, Daniel, that you that you asked. So I was wondering uh, how do how you work yourself with uh, with this? Um, <laughs> good question. I think uh, some of the stuff uh, you guys already kind of mentioned, which is uh, this quarterly approach to it. I think where uh, I see it differing maybe a little bit is that for the quarterly planning or a quarterly roadmap or uh, communicating on a quarterly basis is okay uh, internally, um, but it becomes an issue when you start communicating with clients. Um, for most of the products that I own, um, they are APIs. And here we have clients as soon as they know something is coming, they will ask for documentation. 
on how is this affecting our integration today. Uh, and also in some cases, obviously it's a breaking change and then they need three months. Um, and when that happens, um, it becomes quite difficult because you can't communicate a deadline until you have the documentation. But because uh, the document or because the product is still being developed or the feature, then you don't have the finalized documentation. So you will either risk setting the wrong deadline or sending out the the, the wrong documentation or documentation at least that will change. Um, and I'm actually not sure we've found 100% uh, a good approach to dealing with this. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the best thing is just to be upfront about uh, the challenges that you see and most of your clients will have a development part of the organization. Uh, so they will understand to some degree. Um, and sometimes I also just decide that we do not communicate it until it's actually done. Um, and then we put it in production behind a feature flag and activate it on a specific day. Um, yeah. Just uh, would like to add two more sentences uh, to, to this topic because it's it's really fascinating and a complex topic how to balance and it goes aligned with all the questions above. Um, sometimes I use actually the example and sometimes I, see, I steal that example from other product managers in the uh, bigger companies, for example, in automatic mobile industry or uh, uh, movie industry. When they provide the deadline first, at the first stage, they, they provide the deadline uh, by season. So they say in that that movie will appear on the cinemas in spring. They never specify a particular day or month. They just mention the season where it's come. The moment it, it hits closer to the... To to that season, they start providing the months. On the 13th of April, the movie will be on your cinema in your city. And then when it comes really close to that deadline, they give you that it's going to be released tomorrow. And the same goes with automobiles. So sometimes you see on the big boards or in commercials on YouTube that they give you the hint that it's coming up so you can prepare your ecosystem within your organization that is coming out. And then the more closer you come to the particular uh, uh, point in your roadmap, then they add up an exact time and an exact date. So sometimes I look around to see how other product people solve that problem within that since they're communicating across the globe. I, I totally agree. I think that's a good approach is trying to communicate as soon as you know if something is coming um, to the degree that you can actually do it. Uh, I think that the issue for, for me then becomes um, in the financial industry, at least, you have to communicate breaking changes three months in advance. So even if I communicate it half a year before, I can't until I can give a specific date where we release something. I, it's not an official communication, so I will still have to wait three months. And that creates sort of a, a delay also sometimes in the roadmap that then has to be you know communicated to all the stakeholders, which is kind of annoying because on one side you have clients that really wants it. But on the other hand, you can't really give it to them yet, although it's done. Um, yeah. Intriguing takes. And I think the analogy that you made there, Andrew, really gives some food for thought in terms of the way over product managers are, you know, pitching to the whole goal, they go about it and approach the challenge. But one thing I ask at this stage, I know that all the questions that were put out there prior have been addressed. So I'll just leave it open to the floor. If there's anything else anybody would like to add or any other questions they have for the other panel members. Maybe a um, more practical, more technical question. Um, any suggestions uh, for myself or for the audience uh, uh, who are listening to us? What the tools are you using to create your roadmap and present it to the stakeholders, whether it's a mirror, it's a quick document, uh, it's a whiteboard session. What's what's your uh, 
best suggestion on that one? We are using product board. I think it's uh, it's fairly common, but uh, we're using that. And then we do some PowerPoint presentations for the customers if, uh, if we can't give them sufficient information through the product board. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to the, the communication question again. I think it's, it's also about who you are sort of uh, communicating to. Um, and I think you're... I agree that PowerPoint is still quite efficient when you communicate upwards um, and sometimes outwards as well. Uh, but just around you, uh, a product board or even just more uh, low level, like practical stuff like portfolio plans inside of Jira or uh, Acer, whatever. I don't know what you guys use to uh, to organize your daily work, but either tool can do sort of a, a diagram of, of deliveries and when... Yeah, and, uh, I think we are have a similar approach. We use something called the uh, ProdPad. Uh, but uh, I think what I would like to do in terms of using these tools a bit more also within the office is to have the high level, the portfolio roadmap on maybe on a screen somewhere, maybe printed out and uh, updated every every month or so. So that uh, in a way that everyone in the company from all the teams, all the departments, if they want, they can walk up to the roadmap and have a look at what is coming and uh, learn about changes, learn about how priorities look like. And I feel like that's a good way also to incorporate transparency in the in the communication within the organization. Yeah, thank you for for your uh, answers to, to this ad hoc question. From my side, I use product uh, product boards for general capturing the details and communicating across the organization. Uh, Miro for me is more like a sandbox where everyone can play around and add their insights. And on top of that, the email, Slack, and PP. Uh, communication basically. Well, on that note, I'd just like to thank you all for some amazing contributions and some great discussions going on today. And I'm very grateful to get to host this one. But if you'd like to join us on a future episode, please reach out to me on LinkedIn at Connor Leyland or drop me an email at connor.leyland at evolutionnordics.com. Thank you, guys.